Welcome to Financial Residency, Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. We focus on topics that matter to physicians. We bring on trusted guests who are experts in their respective fields to educate you on a wide variety of topics. If you have an idea for a future show, please email me at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Welcome back to part two of helping physicians navigate the housing market to purchase a new home. I'd like to welcome my guest, Doug Krause, who is a physician mortgage lender at BMO Harris Bank and author of Hippocratic House, Do No Harm When Purchasing Your First Physician Home. Welcome to the show, Doug. Hey, thanks for having me back. I also have a podcast on financial residency, The Mortgage Minute, so check it out as well. Great. Last week, we talked about the general steps to buying a house. But this week, I'd like to focus in a little bit more on the types of loans available to physicians. I know there's a physician loan specifically. Can you tell us how that's unique? Sure. Physician loans vary based on banks, but the biggest difference that makes a physician loan different than a non-physician loan are basically three reasons. One, they have no PMI. And the reason for that is doctor loans default rate is zero or next to zero. So PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, is a independent third insurance that protects the bank in the event of a loss. So if you don't make your payments and your house gets foreclosed on, then the bank has whatever you put down in down payment, which usually on doctor loans could be nothing. But then they have a third party insurer that's taking on part of the risk. So on a typical 5% down loan, the bank has your 5% equity and then mortgage insurance probably covers another 25 or 30%. So really the bank's only on the hook for 65%. Doctor loans don't have PMI because banks see the default rate being zero, find them to be low risk. So that's one thing that sets them apart. The next thing is doctor loans have little to no money down, where the typical borrower borrowing, say, a seven-figure purchase probably has to have 20% down. Doctors can actually borrow. With many of us now, we've moved up to a million dollars without a down payment. And then one of the other big differences in a doctor loan is you can close on a property before your job starts. So as you're finishing fellowship or residency or even taking a new attending job, you're a lot of times moving across the country and ideally you want to close prior to getting started on that job. So this lets you do so with 60 to 90 days prior to getting your first paycheck. Gotcha. The other types of loans that are available, conventional VA loans, would there be a reason to take that over a physician loan for most of us? Almost never. The only exception I could say to that would be a VA loan and that even then, only if it's a veteran with a disability where they waive the funding fee. And the problem that you're going to find with the VA loan is many, if not most sellers, don't want to accept a VA loan because the appraisal is a little more strict. And then the other limitation is VA is going to require a down payment after you surpass the 647000 jumbo versus conforming limit. So Doctor loan, you could do no money down with many of us, again, up to a million dollars. On a VA loan at a million dollars, you're probably going to have a fairly substantial down payment. But if you're on the lower end, you know, something in the conforming limit range and you do have the disability, then it's a possibility that the VA loan might be as competitive or possibly even better. 
But short of that, VA has something that's similar to private mortgage insurance on the front end called a funding fee. And it's pretty pricey. I mean, it can be anywhere from 2.3 to 3.4%. Wow. And that's just a flat out cost? It gets added into the loan, but it's still something eventually you're going to pay for when you go to sell. Okay. For someone who's had a physician loan in the past, would they be eligible to get another one in the future if they move to a new city and decide to buy a new house? For the most part, yes. I mean, you can always get another physician loan. You may or may not be able to get it from the same lender that you got the first one. I would say almost any lender will give you a second one if you don't still have your original house. But if you want to retain the first house that you got a mortgage on and say you did no money down on that one, then a lot of the lenders are going to expect you to either have owned it for five years or prove that you now have 20% equity. Did say your first physician loan with Bank of America, for instance, and then you come to me, not going to care if you have any equity in that one. But if we're taking on two doctor loans, then we want to make sure the first one has equity before we give you a second doctor loan. Because the idea behind that, we're not really offering a no money down loan so you can build a rental portfolio. And that's what essentially you'd be doing. If you move into a house, no money down a year later, you want another one. You're just accumulating houses and taking advantage of the fact that we're trying to give you a opportunity to buy without having to save money. Gotcha. What types of loan terms are offered on physician loans? So there's a wide range. I mean, it could range anywhere from fixed rate products of 10, 15, 20, 30 year fixed, as well as a very wide array of adjustable rate mortgages and those could range from three, five, seven, 10, even 15 year fixed term. Most arms are based on 30 year amortization. And then they have the, you know, take a 10, six, for instance, that's a loan that's locked in rate for the first 10 years. And then the last 20 years, you're getting a new rate every six months. At BMO, we're going to come out with an interest only product here within the next few months as well. Okay. So going back to the ARM, the adjustable rate mortgage, are you basically getting a better rate today over what you would get on a fixed loan because you're taking on risk for what the loan is going to do in the future? That's exactly it. So a bank, if they're going to give you a loan for 30 years, they've got to offset that cost, you know, mitigate their risk to say, we're setting aside this much money and we're going to loan it out at this. So if they loan you money today at four, four or 5%, and then 10 years from now, the rates are eight, that becomes pretty unprofitable for the bank. Whereas if you take out a 30 year note that's fixed for the first 10 years and get a rate of four, and then at the end of the 10 years, the rates are now eight, your rate might go up to eight, that took away the bank's risk. Therefore, they're willing to give you a better interest rate on the front end. So adjustable rate mortgages, you know, a lot of people take those out with the idea that they're not going to be in a house longer than the fixed period. So banks, again, are giving you a lower interest rate because you're mitigating their risk. So adjustable rates are probably the right answer for eight out of 10 people, even though just the opposite, eight out of 10 come to be and ask for a fixed rate. They're really paying for something they don't need, meaning if you took a adjustable rate mortgage, you should expect to get a lower interest rate and probably 80, if not even 90% of people will not have the mortgage they take out today in 10 years. 
Okay. Is there a premium for people taking out a physician loan versus a conventional loan? Or could you expect the same or even a better interest rate on a physician loan? You know, most people assume that it is going to be a premium rate. And, you know, I can't speak for every lender because these are all portfolio loans. So everybody has their own set of rules and circumstances. But in my case, our rates are actually better for the physician loan than they are for a non-physician loan even though you don't have PMI. And that's the real reason most people think the physician loan is going to have a higher interest rate because of the lack of PMI. It's actually just not the case with us. Our rate's cheaper with a physician loan, even though it doesn't have PMI. In fact, most lenders, you know, you would also expect larger loans to have higher rates because it's the all your eggs in one basket idea. But in our case, the bigger the loan, the cheaper my interest rate gets. Interesting. Now, you had mentioned that interest-only loan. Can you explain what that means? So I think here in the next few months, and these will be adjustable rate mortgages as well, we're going to be rolling out an interest-only doctor loan, and that will be also a 30-year note and, say, a 10-year interest-only period, and then it becomes a 20-year amortizing repayment schedule. So it's still going to be a new interest rate every six months starting year 11, but during that first 10 years, there's not going to be any requirement to pay back towards the principal. And same idea, most people are going to take an interest only, not caring what the rates are going to do at the end of 10 years because they don't expect to have the mortgage at that point. Okay. So as long as you're in an appreciating housing market, you should be okay on an interest only loan, I would assume. Correct. So definitely don't want an interest only. If you see housing market turn and it looks like house prices are going to start pulling back because you could end up upside down. If you borrow 100%, you know, say you borrow $800,000 and then five years later, your house is worth seven eighty. On a non-interest only loan, you would have paid down more than the 20000 but on an interest only, in five years, you're still going to owe exactly what you borrowed. You're just paying the interest as you go. Okay. Now, I know there's a lot of confusion for the difference between closing costs versus prepaids. Can you explain, you know, what is a closing cost versus a prepaid expense on a loan? So when you go to close on a loan, there's three items that make up. So there's cash to close, which is everything that's due. And cash to close is made up of down payment money, as well as closing costs and prepaid. The closing costs would be whatever your lender's charging you in fees, the cost of your appraisal, title work, recording fee at the county, you know, anything involved in the loan. Prepaids, even if you didn't have a mortgage, you're still gonna have prepaids. And what that consists of is paying your insurance and then based on having a loan, it has an escrow account. You're funding that with more money to pay your taxes and insurance. So prepaids is essentially taxes and insurance related. And those items are going to exist whether or not you have a mortgage or not. So those can't be really considered closing costs, but they do, in addition to closing costs and down payment, make up your cash to close. So cash to close is down payment, the fees that you're paying to get the loan, and then prepaids, which is just money you would normally expect to spend even if you were a cash buyer, which is paying the homeowner's insurance and just paying your taxes. Okay. And then I've heard you talk about points. Can you explain what points mean and when they would be applied to a loan? So generally speaking, points mean that you're paying to buy a better interest rate. And those are discount points. So 
just to clarify, a point is 1%. So if you were borrowing 800,000 and you're being charged one point, that means you're gonna pay $8,000 additional closing costs. Points could also be origination fees, meaning underwriting, processing, and or, hey, this is how we're gonna make money. We're gonna charge you this much money to do the loan. Those are origination fees, but still considered points. And then the other points are discount points, which is essentially prepaid interest, meaning you ask me my interest rate and I tell you today it's you know four and a half. I don't like that. I want three and a half. Then you're basically saying, I'll pay you money to give me a better interest rate. And that's discount points. And how do you decide whether that makes financial sense? Well, you have to break it down in terms of I'm paying $8,000. It's going to save me $100 a month. That's going to take me 80 months to break even. How long am I going to stay in the house versus, you know, how long is it going to take me to get my money back? So generally speaking, my rule of thumb is if you can break even in five, even six years, you're probably on the safe side of, you know, paying to get a better rate. But if you get to the point where you're six years plus, then I think most people don't keep a mortgage longer than 10 years. And if you're at six years plus, you're already on the worst half of the equation that it's probably not worth the risk of paying additional funds to save that far down in the future because life happens, things change. And then next thing you know, rates went down and you're refinancing and you paid to get a lower interest rate that you're now getting rid of that loan before you even got a chance to get your money back. That makes sense. I know there are a lot of lenders that do physician loans. How do you choose the right lender for you? So really, whenever you're choosing lenders, there's a few things that you need to know. One, you need to know that they work in the area that you're looking to buy. So it isn't going to do you any good to find a lender that you love everything they have to say. And then you tell them, oh, by the way, I'm buying in California. And they say, hey, we only work in Florida. So That's the very first and foremost you need to find out before you go any further with the lenders. Do you service the area I'm buying? Next, you know, again, I think you've said that offer physician loans, but make sure they really have a physician loan. So if they have PMI, it's not a physician loan. So make sure they really offer what you need, because the last thing you want is to get two weeks or three weeks into the process only to find out that, hey, we can't close on this until you're actually on the job. Because that's one of the benefits of a physician loan is you can close without actually starting the job, just with an employment contract. So if the questions there, you know, if your answer is yes, then next thing you want to know is do they offer the terms you want? So some physician lenders only offer arms. Maybe you are that person that wants it fixed, or you know, maybe they offer a three and a five and maybe even a seven and you want something fixed for 10. So then you have to find out, do they offer the term that you need? If that answer is yes, then really it comes down to three final pieces of the puzzle and that's rate, their fees and service. So find somebody you're happy with, you think is going to get the job done and be somebody that you like to work with, check what their fees are. And by fees, that's generally just the underwriting and processing fee and or if they charge origination discount fees. Beyond that, then everything else is really going to be the same. So if you choose me versus one of my competitors, the title fees are going to be the same. It doesn't matter if I tell you they're 6000 and they tell you they're 4000 
ultimately you pick the title company and those fees are going to be what the title company says they are. So really when you're asking for fees, you're asking for the lender's fees, anything beyond that, every lender is going to be the same. So service, those lender fees, and then obviously rate. Rate is going to be pretty important. The more you borrow, even an eighth or a quarter point adds up to a lot. So make sure you're getting the right service fees and rate whenever you're shopping. And the easiest way to do this, if you're comparing, is you can't come to me and I tell you my rate's four and a half and my fees are a thousand bucks. And the next person says, well, my rate's four, but my fees are $9,000. Really what you want is one of the two lenders to match the other lender's rate to then tell you, if this is the rate I give you, this is what my fees would be. Once you get either rates or fees to be equal, then it's really obvious to see which one's the better deal. If the rates are the same, which one has the cheaper closing costs? Okay, so you need apples to apples comparison. Yep. I know you've been kind enough in the past to help you know the financial residency listeners figure these things out. You've been willing to take calls, texts, emails, and kind of help them navigate the process, even if they end up not using you. Are you still willing to do that for them? I am. So I'm always happy to, you know, obviously married to a physician. I like to help physicians. So, you know, if somebody sends you a loan estimate or even an email to say, this is what I'm offering, I'm always happy to take a look at it. You can send it to me at doug.kraus at bmo.com and just ask me like, hey, is this a fair deal? You know, what am I missing? I'm happy to assess it. If it's something I can beat, I'll tell you that. And if it's not, then I'm going to be transparent and say, this is a great offer and you should take it. That sounds good. And as you mentioned, you've got a new podcast on the financial residency website called the Mortgage Minute. You want to tell us a little bit about what you're going to be covering on that podcast? So, I mean, it's going to be rate related sometimes, but other times I, I want to just go over different things such as APRs and how that differs from mortgage rates or talking about credit and why it matters and how you can change and improve your credit. I mean, it's just various topics, probably more in depth than the high level type things we're talking about here. So same thing, you could actually email me at doug.kraus at bmo.com. Tell me something that you want to hear about on the Mortgage Minute or you know, probably they could email you and I might hear about it from you that I could also <laughs> incorporate that in my show as well. Yeah. Well, Doug, thank you again for being my guest and doing this two-part series on helping physicians buy their home. If you have questions about physician loans, you can reach out to Doug at 816-728-3631 or as he said, email him at doug.kraus, C-R-O-U-S-E, at bmo.com. You can also request a free copy of our book, Hippocratic House, at dougkraus.com or hippocratichouse.com. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners at Financial Residency Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Again, we strive to bring you the information that you want most to help you reach your professional and financial goals. If you have an idea for a podcast, please just email me at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. I hope to see you next week at Grand Rounds. Thanks for listening. <laughs>